Hi, I'm David Green, and welcome to the Digital HR Leaders Podcast. Today, I'm delighted to welcome two of my go-to experts on strategic workforce planning, Alicia Roach and Chris Hare, former practitioners themselves and the founders and co-CEOs of Equate, a HR technology platform for strategic workforce planning, or SWP. In today's episode, we are going to be delving into the critical topic of the why and the how of democratizing strategic workforce planning. We also discuss the role of HR can play in empowering business leaders with the tools and knowledge they need to make informed decisions about their workforce. We will also explore the potential pitfalls organizations may face with regards to SWP and discuss the approaches HR and people analytics leaders can adopt to effectively democratize workforce data and gain C-suite level buy-in. So without further ado, let's kick off the conversation with Alicia and Chris. Alicia, Chris, it's a pleasure to have you both on the show. Alicia, you joined me last year on an episode discussing the intricacies of strategic workforce planning. And and Chris, today is your debut on the on the show. Please, can you remind listeners about maybe your backgrounds and and, and what you do at Equate and, and the progress that Equate has made since Alicia and I spoke oh, about 15 months ago now? Sure. Alicia and I are deep practitioners of strategic workforce planning. It's something that we love. It's kind of our life's work, you know. It's it's been a terrific kind of past year, I think, since Alicia last spoke with you. And David, I, I know you're quite into music. For us, this is our music. It's been a terrific year because we've gotten to spend so much time with people across the world who are also passionate in this space. I would say though that the that there's kind of two tempos happening here though. We've got folks who are also practitioners and they're just looking for greater enablement in the space. And that's been a great kind of area for us to spend a lot of time and focus. But there's actually many more who are kind of new into the space and they're just trying to figure out how to get started. And there's just so much noise in the broader system around skills and all the different things that we could be doing. I think some people are still exploring the strategic workforce planning space. Alicia came into to the um, area back in the uh, early 2000s from a corporate perspective and was working from finance coming into HR, trying to answer a fundamental question for an airline. We're buying billions of dollars of airplanes. Will we have enough pilots? And that was a really clear use case. But we can see across that, that again, that broad spectrum of the two Tempo folks, their businesses are changing and they're changing very rapidly and they need a way to kind of face into that and, and open up a discussion. But many of them aren't sure exactly how to get started. So we've been spending a lot of time, particularly in the last few months, thinking about that issue, how to get people started. Yeah, that's, that's really good. And obviously you mentioned you're both deep, practitioners in this in this space as well and obviously mentioned uh, Alicia's previous life at a rather large airline in in Australia I wonder which one that could be um but um look at her LinkedIn if you want to find out everyone but how does it help you um as you know as former practitioners um you know I know you 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 did consulting first and now you're building technology how does that help the two of you in you know in in working with customers to solve their problems I think it's crucial because we're not talking about a piece of tech that replaces tech that people already had or 
a process that people knew really well, and we've just taken that and put it online. This is a new way of thinking. And the customers that we come across, across those two tempos, even the practitioners, they're still trying to earn credibility in this space. SWP is a new way of thinking, and, and many of their senior executives, for instance, have never been on the journey. So whether we're working with deep practitioners or people who are new to this space, they all need a bit of a helping hand as well as a platform to help them do it. And I think it's important because I think we can get particularly, I, I think there's a skills frenzy, there's a tech frenzy as well, and, and rightly so, you know, technology is cool, and I'm sure we'll go into a bit of that, uh, but in the tech frenzy, we kind of have to step back and you can't just plug and play a tech and go, it's a magic button and it's going to solve all of my problems. You know, uh, for us, it's a, it's kind of a three, three-legged three stool. We see a platform is fundamental, yes, for strategic workforce planning, but you also need to have the right process kind of to support how you're going to uh, do that. You need to, you know, really bring it together with other elements and, and just having tech for tech's sake can miss some of that other supporting elements that go alongside for success. That's right. That third leg is really philosophy. So having that desire to look forward and think about the future and, and make decisions that are going to future-proof the organization, as opposed to being very, very agile and just reacting as fast as you can. So Alicia, I know our listeners are always keen to stay up to date with the latest developments in HR technology. Could you give us a sneak peek into into some of the key innovations you've observed in the space over over the past year? Yeah, it's a good time to ask this question because we're hot off the heels of HR tech and Unleash and, you know, no surprises, skills dominated as did AI. Uh, so it's, I think, fairly representative of what's been going on over the past 12 months. But I think we need to kind of step back again with both of these things and and grounded a little bit. I think with AI, you know, it's great and it has its uses. And I think people are kind of going a bit like, yeah, yeah, we know, we know AI, but, you know, what's it actually going to do for us? What problems is it actually solving? And we can't as vendors just go, we're just dropping it into our product and tick the box, we've done done our bit there. I think what I've really started to see, and I saw an HR analyst say this um, over the past week, uh, utility over novelty. And I think that's really important. I think that really brings us back to a good place and where HR should be um, in looking at all the tech frenzy. And that also brings me to skills. I think, you know, the skills frenzy has been around a few years now. I think it's not it's not brand new, but it's looks like it's here to stay. And rightly so. It's important. But I think people are starting to now ask the right questions about skills um, and you know, they may have scraped their workforce to do skills inference. They may have looked at the labor market insights to, you know, understand what's in the market and predict, you know, some sort of future external skills um, that will be in demand. But I think what people have found with where they've gotten to in their skills journey is that a lot of it's interesting, but not necessarily actionable. And so people are kind of I think looking for that next level of, and, you know, it's what we've always said in people analytics, David, you know, it's the so what, so what's this actually telling me? And the now what, now, now what do I actually need to do about this? And I think that's where we're really seeing uh, the call to action in HR tech is it needs to compel us to do something, enable something for us, for our businesses, because there's so much cool stuff in tech. But it really comes back to what are we trying to solve for? What are we trying to enable for our businesses? And I think people are really realizing that now. 
I'd love to understand from you, you know, very quickly, um, <laughs> this this skills question. You know, why is there so much talk about skills in your view? And obviously, as as former practitioners that have worked in the space, I think there's a real fatigue that organizations have had with the high degree of change trying to, through Herculean efforts, just keep hiring against that. They can see that they need adaptive people. And by the time they found someone who fits the DNA of the organization, they want to hang on to them. But the roles that they're doing today versus that same titled role two or three years from now is going to be doing something fundamentally different. And, and I think the leading organizations can see that and that just managing just based on roles is too generic. But I think it's a new frontier. And so there is some flailing around how to get a handle around this. And, and I, I think it's twofold, actually. I think there's a little bit about what is the best way to get a grip on skills within the HR community to have a, a, a good conversation and, and to plan actions. And then I think there's a whole nother section around how do we have this conversation with business leaders who aren't just sitting here and kind of reading the same materials that we're reading day in and day out. How do you have a coherent conversation with them? And there is a risk that if we, if we go too far down, the bits and pieces around skills, we'll lose them in that conversation. They won't understand the tie to their commercial um, issues that they're facing day to day. And so there's, there's these tension points, but I think Overall, the move around skills is for a good thing. It's to take the people that we've got and take them on a journey. Which leads quite nicely, I think, to the next question, Alicia. I, I know that you've recently released a, a new product at Equate. I understand it's a product designed to help democratize strategic workforce planning across an organization. Please, can you share more about the product and, and why you decided to build it? Well, as you know, David, you know me, I'm probably one of the biggest SWP evangelists getting around on this globe. I passionately believe in this stuff. I have seen the impact it has when it's done properly. To me, it seems like a no-brainer. And it's something that I've really struggled with is why is not every single organization doing this? You know, it's so impactful. The workforce is their biggest asset, biggest cost. We've heard all of that. And it's never made sense to me why it hasn't just become so much more mainstream. So we actually did some research on this earlier this year um, on the state of SWP together with Aptitude Research. I, I know you uh, know Madeline from there. And, and indeed, it confirmed only 14% of orgs, you know, take a strategic long-term view to workforce planning. And I think it's around 18% actually have a skills-based approach to their talent planning. And from your own space, I know you guys are seeing this too. I saw something on My HR Future where it's something like 90% of orgs want to be doing skills-based workforce planning. So why aren't they? So we looked a bit further into this and the research together with kind of what we've found since launching our own SWP tech over the last few years, it just kept coming back with the same few recurrent themes and, and hurdles that keep coming up for people. And it's usually around people, so capability. So we haven't done this before. We don't have a specialist. We don't have an expert. We don't have a team. Uh, we don't have the time, that kind of a thing. Data, oh, we've got to get all this data perfect and in place or processes to support that and cost. You know, we don't have the budget. We don't have stakeholder buy-in. And so we're creating a product to overcome that, um, which is in beta testing right now. It's super exciting. Um, and this will help people who maybe 
just don't even know where to start with SWP or what it looks like. And it only requires some basic data points like how big's your workforce, uh, what's your current turnover rate, and we do everything for you from then on. We guide you through uh, the end-to-end SWP process from translating strategy into workforce implications, scenario planning, action planning, all the things that you'd expect, but in a really cool UX. It's so fun. I mean, I know you're probably rolling your eyes and going, yeah, but you already think SWP is fun, and I do, um, but this is like next level fun. It's it's more like a B2C um, UX, so it's really fun and engaging. It feels like a game. You know, you swipe left for this strategic priority, swipe right for this action. It's really fun. It's really engaging and really accessible. And it even has wombats, um, so that's cool. Who doesn't love wombats? A nice Aussie animal. And I think as well what, what's really cool in this democratisation piece is it's not just, so this isn't just for an SWP person or even a people analytics person or even an HR leader. It's for all of them, but it's also for business leaders. So this is putting it in the hands of anyone across the business so they can answer, well, I've got this huge thing happening, you know, this huge digital transformation agenda or there's some external stuff coming our way that's going to impact our revenue targets. What are the workforce implications? What are the show-stopping skills? And that puts these answers in the hands of the business leaders who are navigating this stuff. And that is really, you know, just why it's such a game changer. You don't have to have any expertise. You don't need to have anything. You can just get going. And and we're so excited by it. We're getting some really early feedback from the market in the beta process um, that's reinforcing that. We had an HR uh, industry analyst say it's the coolest thing seen in uh, HR tech in a long time. So, yeah, we're very excited. This podcast episode is brought to you by Equate, the strategic workforce planning technology that helps you plan for the workforce you need tomorrow, today. Discover the power of your people. Ensure you have the right workforce to meet your purpose. Extend the power to plan to every corner of your organization. Learn more at equate.ai forward slash insight 222. That's EQ, the number eight, dot AI forward slash I-N-S-I-G-H-T, the number two, the number two, the number two. So we're going to move a little bit from technology now to philosophy. Uh, so we're coming over to you, Chris. Uh, we're going to call you Homer uh, today as, a, as, a, as our philosopher. And so in, in one of your recent articles on, on upstream thinking, you, you highlight how uh, strategic workforce planning is hard to explain but crucial to do. And I think Alicia has just explained exactly why it's, it's, it's crucial to do as well. Um, for the benefit of listeners, you know, and again, we'll highlight the article in the, in the show notes. Could, Chris, could you briefly explain the concept or this concept, sorry, in the, in the context of strategic workforce planning. Sure. And, and for many of your listeners, they're doing lots of work in the space around people and around items that have long tail impacts. And SWP in particular is one of those things that there's work that we're doing now that will have some tangible impact now, but has a lot of impact over the future. And, you know, Part of what I was uh, trying to kind of express in that article was just that at times it's hard. And I think it's hard in the SWP space, but I think it's harder in the broader HR space. You know, we're doing great work in things like employee value proposition, 
diversity and inclusion, wonderful things around culture. And along with those, SWP is exactly as you said, it's hard to explain sometimes. It's hard to get broader business attention. We get the yeah, yeah, yes, and they know they kind of need to do it, but they don't understand the um, wonderful business impacts in the way that we do. And SWP is like that. It's, it's crucial. It's crucial to have a future-based conversation and know where you're going. Um, and what really the epiphany that I had, because I could feel this kind of contrary pull around why aren't people uh, in the broader community just grabbing this the way Alicia kind of expressed. And it really is because this muscle that we're working on is upstream. You know, what's a hero for people? You know, one of the analogies that, that we quite kind of gravitate to is the idea that, you know, the four of us or the, the three of us sorry, are sitting by a river and we see a child, you know, struggling in the water. If you dive in, David, and you bring that child to the riverbank, you're going to be a hero. We're going to be patting you on the back. And we see the next child. Maybe I'll have a turn. Maybe Alicia will have a turn. By the time we've gotten to 20 of those, uh, we're all going to be pretty exhausted, but we'll, we'll be pretty proud of ourselves. What we should do, though, is one of us should walk up the riverbank, upriver, and see who's throwing these kids in the water. If you can solve that, if you can figure that out, you're not going to have to save 20 more kids later that afternoon. But they're going to be 20 theoretical kids. No one's going to be able to point to them. So unlike earlier when we were getting a medal for what we were doing, because you could tangibly see, and I'll put this in the workforce sense, we were able to slash 10% of the workforce. So that saved us $5 million. Yay. That's tangible and direct. What we're doing in strategic workforce planning is going, we actually managed to find the right amount of productivity and shift some skills and reshape the workforce for next year. And that actually realized 50 million of revenue that we wouldn't have had the capacity for. But that direct line is not as clear. And this is the conversation we're trying to have. Who's the bigger hero? The one that does the decisions that have long-term effects that are a little harder to see or the immediate impact? And, and the overall kind of sense that I want folks to get from this is the work is valuable, but it's not just about shifting how you're thinking about the workforce. It's how your leaders think. They are also rewarded for saving the drowning children. And we adapt very rapidly as humans to be able to do whatever the environment throws at us and we'll preserve that environment. We'll create a system where we're constantly heroes, but we'll burn ourselves out. This is about shifting that thinking. And I think as folks start to enter into this space, um, it's gonna be really important. Putting all that together, Alicia, you know, you know, what are the pitfalls that organizations face by not democratizing strategic workforce planning? Yeah, so so by not democratizing SWP and in, therefore not necessarily doing SWP, orgs are really missing the S, the W, and the P. So what I mean by that is, you know, the S is really about that strategically planning for the future, lifting the gaze out of the day-to-day -day and that daily struggle that Chris just talked about, that upstream thinking, that scenario planning, that understanding the what if this happens and importantly, getting that critical alignment across business leaders for where the business is heading and how it's going to get there. Uh, the W, you know, understanding that link of people to purpose. What's it going to take to achieve our strategy? What workforce segments and skills are critical? Who needs to have them to do what, when, and to what level of proficiency? That is a fundamental piece that's missing that link in many organisations. And again, just blows my mind. Uh, 
And then the P, the plan, uh, the last part of SWP, that's creating that coherence around what we're doing, not just as an HR function, but with any anything that touches the people in our organisation, whether it's, it is a technology enablement or whatever. We need to distill the thousands of things we could be doing into the most impactful things we should be doing that are enabling us as a business to achieve what we need to. And so organisations that are not democratising that, that are not answering these questions for their business leaders, are missing some fundamental parts. And that's why we see this reactivity, this knee-jerk kind of play that many orgs are stuck in, and they just react quickly and call themselves agile and pat themselves on the back, but it's exhausting and it's not making the right decisions and it's not creating a coherence and it's not socially responsible. So we're not doing the best by any of our stakeholders across the board and that's what orgs are missing out on by not doing this. Yeah, we and, and I was just thinking, listening to you there, Alicia, is reminding me of, of the episode we did last year when we started talking about the bees of workforce planning, I can't remember how many words, six or seven, but it was quite a lot of bees. But but if we think about it, but workforce planning informs all of that. So whether we buy talent or buy companies to to close a uh, close gap, whether we build by by learning and and actually, but 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 build using relevant learning that actually the business needs moving forward and that people want as well to to to, to develop their careers. Whether we borrow, whether that's um, borrow from outside the organisation with contingent workers or consultants, or, or frankly borrow from within the organisation as well, which I guess brings us to the kind of talent marketplace craze that we um, we've got at the moment. Um, there's bridge, isn't there? I'm going to let you talk about the other bees, but I, I think um, briefly, but because we, we can refer to the episode. But I think you know, basically, workforce planning informs all of those, which ultimately are the HR programs that we're, what most organisations are are delivering to the organisation as well. Absolutely. But only by having that line of sight. And I'd just say, you know, on the Bs, I think everyone's got a version of the Bs. I think the most we heard, Chris, was maybe someone's got nine Bs. We've gone with six. Um, some people have any other version. Uh, but, it, you know, it doesn't really matter what number of Bs you have. It's having that line of sight to the future versus where you are today is the only way you can work out what balance of Bs you can have in the mix. Because the reality is, you can't just click your fingers and materialize the skills overnight. Upskilling, reskilling, cross-skilling, borrowing, building, these things take time. And so you need that line of sight. Well, what are the critical skills we need in one year, two year, three years? So we can start bringing our organization on that journey. And that takes planning, you know, and this is, again, why it just blows my mind because we, we have an asset, we have people, we need to bring them on the journey and so we need to have that coherence of, of how we're doing that. And the only way of doing that is by lifting our gaze and looking to the future. That's right. And I think it is um, about creating the foundation for the people plan, um, but it also informs tech that will enable people and business process improvement and some other things. The ROI is so high on build and on other initiatives besides just hiring. But the problem is you can't do them as fast. And so companies that live quarter to quarter, or dare I say, many who live week to week, they don't have, they're not able to look forward enough to see that. So they have a menu of skills. And I think you hit on this, you touched on this very briefly with learning and development needs to be targeted. It can't just be the menu of items, but you can't do that if you don't know where you're going. Yeah. And, and 9B sounds like a hive to me. That's a lot of work. Sorry, that's my... 
that's my dad joke for this episode. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think we're seeing in many organizations that, that we're working with at Insight 222 now that, you know, companies are combining people analytics, people strategy and workforce planning together, which seems sensible to me and, and, and putting it at the right hand of the, of, of the CHRO and, and, and getting exposure to the business, whether that's the leaders or the, or the business unit managers. I don't know briefly if, that, if that's something that, that, that you're seeing as well. I, I think that is with. the best practice. I think housing those things together gets you a real engine room. Um, when you don't have those combined, particularly that strategic piece, you end up with a group that's producing lots of dashboards that don't really move the needle. So there's lots of information rolling around, but not a lot of action. You need that cohesiveness, as you say, at the right hand of the CHRO to kind of put put all these different insights together on a platter and make it very easily actionable. We hope you're enjoying this episode of the Digital HR Leaders podcast. If you are looking to continue your learning journey, head over to myhrfuture.com and take a look at the My HR Future Academy. It is a learning experience platform supporting HR professionals to become more data-driven, more business-focused, and more experience-led. By taking our short assessment, you will see how you stack up against the HR skills of the future. Then, our recommended learning journeys guide you every step of the way, helping you to close your skills gap, deepen your knowledge, and press play on your career. Chris, staying with you, obviously, we've talked about technology. It's one way to help democratise um, strategic workforce planning. But there are other factors, obviously, that contribute to its success. We talked a little bit briefly about philosophy and, and, and process. What would you say HR and people analytics leaders need to be doing on top of investing in in tools and, and tech to help achieve uh, the democratization of, of data across the board? We may have touched a little bit on it there with with where you where you house it in uh, as well. But I'll let you I'll let you explain more. <laughs> I think if, if I think of those two tempos I talked about at the beginning, deep practitioners and HR functions that are very mature in the space and HR functions and businesses that haven't gotten anywhere near this kind of stuff. The thing they have in common, and, and we've talked a lot about a lot of different aspects of this space, and it can seem like a lot to people who are still exploring, but let me simplify. Forget all the different things that we've just talked about. If you start a conversation about the future, that you, you don't need tech, you don't need a lot of whiz-bang things to do that but you need to have the um, desire to get your leaders talking about the future. And I think for far too long, you know, we talked about the uh, HR being a strategic partner. For far too long, HR has assumed those conversations are happening. And by the time they're hearing the need to quickly hire, the need to do that, they assume that it's been a well thought out plan and their job is to go execute quickly. I'm here to tell you in all the scenario discussions that I've had, it is, I, I don't think I've had one where I've seen leaders are totally aligned and know exactly where they're going and share the same view of risks and share the same view of trajectory. They could have all signed up to the five-year plan. The problem is the five-year plan sits at a, at a broad level. 
The five-year plan doesn't break down into a value chain across everything and go and say, this division's increasing by 20% and that one's down 30%. By the way, it depends on customer behaviors at this midpoint. And if transformation initiative delays by six months, this is what it means. It's not integrated in that way. And therefore, it's not, um, it's, it's not driving the right behaviors and the right kind of discussion. So HR facing into the kind of paradox around all these different moving parts just simply needs to open up the conversation. Now, that conversation is about the future and it's drawing in hopefully some quantitative aspects to get people engaged. We don't want it to just be a kumbaya, you know, where do we think the world might go? Maybe if it's qualitative, you're going to lose some people along the way. But if you've got, uh, you know, a fair, uh, a small number of, of, data points like, are we going to grow by 20% or decline by 20%? Um, what are cu customers going? Those kinds of things. It opens up that future conversation. And again, it's not something that HR has to bang on the table and do every day. But certainly once a quarter, we can stop for 90 minutes, two hours with the leadership team and say, let's revisit where we think this organization is heading. Let's revisit how we best serve customer. Um, that's really, I think, where people need to go beyond the tech. If you have that kind of conversation, which underpinning that are these concepts of demand and scenarios, you're 70% of the way through what strategic workforce planning really needs to get going. Sure, over time, you can get more mature and you can add more um, aspects to, to that conversation, bring in skills, bring in more quant, but just have the conversation about the future and you're ahead of the game. One thing I'd just add to that, because I think it's so interesting, you know, as well as not having seen leaders in a scenario discussion aligned. One other thing that's been really amazing with the many customers we've worked across across the globe uh, is every organisation has quite a comprehensive transformation and digitization agenda. And no organisation um, that we've come across has a centralised view of, firstly, what all those initiatives are, and secondly, and more importantly, how they're going to impact the different workforce segments in different ways. And so that's why we just see such huge rates of failure. I think the, the famous one from the Harvard Business Review was 70% of um, digital transformation initiatives fail. And it's like $900 billion a year, and that was a couple of years ago, of wasted money. Um, and, and that's because orgs just don't have that line of sight. We've got all these moving parts, but they're going to impact different segments in different ways. They're going to require different skill sets, not just to stand them up and, you know, through the project of, of this, but to operationalise it. And orgs are really missing a trick in getting that line of sight. And I think, um, you know, that's just, yeah, a huge opportunity and something that, um, again, back to Chris's point, just having a conversation around, what is on our transformation agenda? You know, what are the enabling skills for this? Uh, what what's it going to look like when it's operationalized? What's it going to do to our customer journey? And therefore, how does that shape and shift the customer-facing roles? You know, just some of these basics that are surprisingly not that well thought through. All that's often thought through in the in the business case kind of lens is how many heads can we cut by bringing this tech? And yeah, that's just very myopic. And I guess if we're talking about the future, there's always going to be an element of uncertainty. And I guess that's where the scenario planning that you spoke to, Chris, really comes in, isn't it? 
That that's right, and and because it's so uncertain, David. I think, and I'd be interested in your views around this. Having you speak to so many leaders in this space, it's almost like back to that paradox kind of comment from Nick. It's almost like, ooh, that's hard and difficult to to solve, and there's no certainty that we will solve it. So I'll go back to my people space and my listening space because at least I can get some tangible things there. And I can be in my domain knowledge where I feel comfy, but the problem is the organization is aching for this, and somebody has to grab it. And we saw during COVID when there were huge amounts of uncertainty, HR all of a sudden got a different type of mandate. Let's not lose that. Let's use that to say this future is uncertain, but we got to talk about it, folks. We can't just kind of put our fingers in our ears and just see where we end up because we're going to end up in a ditch. How can HR leaders? better communicate the urgency and long-term benefits of a strategic workforce planning to leadership teams who may be more focused on immediate priorities, and sometimes that's understandable. And again, if you're able to share some of the companies that you think are doing this well, you might not be able to mention them by name, but maybe you can mention what what, what um, industry they're in or something. Sure, sure. So let's think about twofold answer in this space. It's I'll use shorthand for purpose. It's about revenue. And second, it's about being a responsible employer. So let me start with the revenue side of things. You know, too often when you hear strategic workforce planning, it means different things to different people. And it's a headcount bidding exercise. It's a hiring plan. Ultimately, most people are stuck in this mindset that it's about optimizing costs or maybe enhancing profitability, and it's the wrong mindset. SWP, the the reason it's SWP is it's enhancing revenue and capacity. It's about customer and what is our purpose and how are we going to help customers? Um, and often for the organizations we work with, a lot of them are seeking increasing sales. They're facing competition. The consumer choices are changing. How people expect to buy from them is a little bit unknown, but they're executing large transformation initiatives. And if they mess that up, if they don't get the right people in place, they're not going to be able to serve customers and they're going to lose them. They're very hard to win back. One of our customers is a large humanitarian organization. They're not trying to win revenue. They're trying to save people's lives. And if they don't have the capacity adequately to deal with the uncertainties that are happening in the world, if they don't plan, if they just wait and see what happens, but they don't build the capacity in the right way, that has dire effects. And we're not talking revenue. So I think it's really important that our people analytics and HR leaders understand this is a different type of play here around the capacity of the organization to achieve its purpose. And people are going to be the make or break of that. The, the second thing I'll say is most of the organizations in that, you know, again, in that two tempo thing that have practitioners have thousands and tens of thousands of employees. You cannot be a responsible employer if you can't look five weeks ahead on what you're doing. Sure, you can bring in, um, you know, Alicia, you made the comments to me earlier today, gig economy people, that's separate, contractors, that's separate. Um, but you could see a world in the future, David, where you have a choice of working at two banks and one of them, you know, does strategic workforce planning and the other one's agile. Which one do you feel more comfortable that you've got 
two to five years potentially with probably the one that can actually think about the future a little bit and think about your place in it. That's the one that I would want to work in. Um, I think that we're not there yet. So it probably seems like a long bow, but I could see in the future where that's an ESG criteria. Do we think about our customers, how we're going to sustainably serve them with our employees? Um, so, so coming to you, um, um, Alicia, you know, again, we talk, we're going to go into the future now. You're very good at doing this. Uh, how do you see democratized strategic workforce planning and, and skills-based planning evolving uh, in the future? And what advice would you give to practitioners listening to this to, to help them to stay ahead? Yeah, so I'll start with the last part first. I think the advice I would give is to just get going. Um, don't wait. I think a big thing we live by and uh, you know try to instill with our customers is progress over perfection. Uh, by the time you wait and build your perfect skills ontology or get the perfect HRIS and supporting data and processes, you know that some of that stuff can take years. And the world's moved on very rapidly and probably hasn't made the best decisions around the workforce. Uh, so I think just get going, start that conversation with leaders that we talked about. And I think, you know, we can get a bit like, oh, hang on, what is strategic workforce planning? Too hard basket. Um, I need a whole kind of infrastructure around that. But it's back to that conversation. If we just boil it down into what we're actually trying to do here, it's, you know, going to, hi, Sarah, our CEO, or Joe, our CTO, you've got a digital first strategy for your organization. You're trying to transition customers to digital channels to meet your significant revenue um, growth objectives by 2025. Okay. So this means for our HR strategy that we need to evolve our workforce's technical and digital capability. What does this mean for our strategic workforce plan? It means we need a clear and coherent set of actions. So that might look like, well, we need to upskill the current CX team with A, B and C skills over the next 18 months, hire Y number of full stack engineers by 2024, engage Z UX freelancers for 12 months, you know, from the gig workforce to deliver this specific project um, because we know we can't hire those skills permanently and we only need them for a defined period and so on. And so that's really what we're trying to get to here is that coherent set of actions that enable what our organisation is trying to achieve. And so hopefully you can see how critical that is for the org in, in having that line of sight. And that's why I just, again, urge people to just get going because our leaders are screaming out for this kind of support. They don't, like, it's interesting to go, oh, you know, these are the top 10 skills that people are going to need in 2027, you know, resilience, agility, da, 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 da. What does that actually mean for us as an organisation? We can't go out to our um, TA teams and go, hi, me, this is one of my favourite things to say. You know, we can't go, hi, me, 700 resilience. I need 1,000 leadership. Like skills need to be grounded back into what they're enabling for our business. And this is really how organisations will stay ahead in this space. And I think, you know, again, we listened to one of the other um, podcasts earlier this week with the Genpack leader who rightly articulated, and, and I think we interacted um, on LinkedIn over this, but the role of the CHRO is to make sure the organisation has that talent at the right place at the right time, which we know is SWP. And if you don't get going on this, if you don't stay ahead in this space, either someone's going to roll through and solve this problem for your business leaders, hello management consultants in a room with org charts and sharpies, or your competitors are going to be doing that. And that's not good news for anyone. Uh, so, so I really think get, getting going with this, getting those conversations started is how you stay ahead. And then where it's heading, uh, you know, 
yes, we're in the skills-based talent management frenzy at the moment, but I think where this needs to head for organisations is beyond that. Skills in and of themselves need to be grounded back into that business problem and need to be grounded back into that business cadence. So as we're going through our strategic planning cycles, our financial planning cycles, as the world shapes and shifts overnight, how are we quickly um, able to revisit our baseline, not reacting quickly, but responding coherently? And that's where the future of this stuff sits. That's right. And I think we see our role in the future of those things in helping that democratize piece. Instead of making SWP this more complex thing that only management consultants and wizards and very complicated enterprise software can do, how can we just enable that conversation that creates the context around business change, skills, and people? We've, we've talked a lot about the constant influx of, of new tools and solutions. So again, thinking about the, the HR professionals and HR leaders listening to this, what, what advice would you give about how to stay on top of HR technology trends um, <laughs> and while avoiding being overwhelmed? That's right. It's easy to be overwhelmed. That's right. Well, um, and, and Alicia, you'll no doubt help me here. You know, I'm going to add one, David. I thought I thought you hit it really well. Um, what you said at the very start of this around thinking of what we're trying to do first and then going to tech. I think that's crucial. The other one I'll add to this sequencing. It's a sequencing issue. You know, there's there's lots of shiny toys and neat things out there, but we got to figure out the order that we're going to drive a sensible conversation. How do we see the forest the, to then pick off the trees? Um, so for me, it's a big sequencing issue. And I think in some of the HR functions that I've seen where they've cobbled together a lot of different things, they've gone through a few years of permutation of information overload. And as you know, that then falls back into people's pet projects and, and, and the loudest voice wins. I think people analytics and, and that tie again to strategy has been excellent at extracting out some of the noise, looking at some of the symptoms that we're trying to solve for and helping elevate that strategy conversation about how should HR pick off this discussion. So for me, it is massively a sequencing uh, a, a debate that HR has to have when it, within itself to then figure out the problems it's going to solve in what order. I don't know, Alicia, if you've got anything to add as well. Yeah, just just quickly, you know, I agree. You know, we've got to look at what we're solving, what we're enabling for. Uh, but I think when we do that, we need to go back and look at the cause of what, you know, what is actually causally going to address this. Because what we see, unfortunately, is a lot of tinkering with the effects. So, you know, orgs, as Chris said, we've seen a lot of orgs, you know, go on their tech frenzy and they end up with the latest and greatest, but then they wonder why they're finding themselves facing the same problems 12 months later. Uh, it's like, you know, oh, but we just did that org structure restructure last year and we did another one six months ago. Then we restructured the IT Centre of Excellence last month. But why haven't we been able to deliver our CX change program? Or, you know, we implemented this new workforce management tech, but why do we still have 400 open requisitions that we can't fill? Or we created our skill inference approach, um, but we still don't know actually what skills we need to enable our digital transformation in three years. So so all of those examples, we're tinkering with the effects. We're, you know, uh, deploying what we happen to have. We're uh, moving around what we happen to have in our restructures. We're analysing and baselining what we happen to have in our skills inference which is useful, yes, but it's not going to back to what we need as an organisation, what our business needs 
to do what it is trying to achieve. And that keeps coming up again and again for these organisations until they go causally and look at how are we kind of fundamentally creating that root cause analysis of what we're trying to solve for. And so, again, I, I know I'm kind of going around in a long way here, but, yes, we need to solve for the business problem and enabling our business, but we need to make sure we're doing that in the right way. And I think that's where we can get a bit um, blinded and overwhelmed. We've come to the last question, believe it or not. It's been a, I've really enjoyed the conversation. Um, and uh, given given the time of the evening in in, a, in Australia, maybe you both pop in for a glass of wine or That's a right. afterwards. But David, any any time with you is always invigorating. So we're not tired. <laughs> Um, so before we get there, um, obviously in every series we we have a question that we ask um, each guest, you know. And this series, um, funny enough, we're looking at planning for the future success of a, of an organisation. So this should be right in your sweet spot. What is the role of of HR in helping companies plan effectively for the future of work? This is a is such a great question, and I think it draws a few threads together from the things we've been talking about. You know, we talked a bit about upstream thinking and the fact that leaders need to get themselves out of this. Let's just fight the fire over and over and over. Let's put in the code that prevents next year's fires. We talked a lot about the pitfalls around not having the right skills in place, not having the right people, the uncertainty for our own employees, um, and ultimately revenue costs. We talked about the need for conversations to happen. Who's going to drive those? For me, I think the answer to this question is HR has a crucial role in sponsoring the conversation. Nobody is saying, HR, go off into your corner and come out with the answer. HR is so good at that in its domain knowledge spaces. That's awesome. That's not what's needed here. We need organizations to face into the paradox and we need HR functions that are good at coaching and sponsoring crucial conversations that aren't have happening. That's what will make HR a strategic transformation partner. And that's what will help HR have, a, have a, a mechanism to get leaders thinking about the future so that HR can create its own people plans. So HR can create a sensible approach to help the organization achieve its purpose, whether that's for customers and driving revenue or for citizens or for humanity. Whatever that purpose is, HR can't just sit on the sidelines and kind of hope that the leaders work it out and then they just go execute what the leaders worked out. They've got to sponsor an upstream conversation. Great. Alicia, is there anything you'd like to add? I think I'd just draw it back to something that um, just sprung to mind while Chris was talking. You know, we we speak to a lot of organisations. We've done our own research over the years and, you know, we, we say to organisations, you know, do you know what workforce size, shape, skills you need today? And most organizations are like, oh, not really, no. And then we go, what about in three years? And it's pretty much zero organizations have any clue. We say, well, do you think your organization is going to change and look different in three years? And 100%, every organization knows it's going to change and look different in three years. But they've got no line of sight of what, what they need today, let alone what that needs to look like in three years. So it's, it's like, how are you going to get there? Uh, how are you actually going to be able to navigate? Because what is your organization? It's the people in it. And that's what's shaping and shifting here. That's the change we're talking about. And so that's really looking to the future is having that line of sight. And so for me, uh, that's, you know, exactly what Chris has said. That's where the conversation needs to centre around. Yeah. Get ahead. Be successful. I mean, that's probably a, 
nice way to, to to end it alicia chris thank you both for being guests on the digital hr leaders podcast i really enjoyed the conversation you know can you let listeners know how they can find you on social media and i do recommend that people um connect with alicia in particular on, on linkedin totally um, i totally in particular. agree <laughs> <laughs> and and find out more about the work you're doing at equate as well yeah so definitely linkedin i'm a pretty avid linkediner i love get engaging with the content on there but also our website we've recently changed that so it's got a lot more cool stuff resources um you know research papers calculators all the fun things it's a whole world of swp so yeah you can find that at www.eq8.ai equate.ai and that's the letter e the letter q and the number 8.ai and any wombats there as well Ooh, not yet but <laughs> there but, will be they will be there coming will be. They will be coming. coming. I think wombats are going to be a key theme for us. Good. Alicia and Chris, thank you very much uh, for sharing, you know, the in-depth complexities around strategic workforce planning and why it's so important uh, for companies. So thank you very much. And I look forward to seeing you again soon, hopefully. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's it for this episode of the Digital HR Leaders podcast. A big thank you once again to Alicia Roach and Chris Hare for sharing their insights on how to realise business strategy through effective strategic workforce planning. If you did enjoy the episode, please don't forget to hit the subscribe button and leave us a five-star rating on your preferred podcast streaming channel so that we can keep producing the show. For more from us at Insight222, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and you can sign up for our weekly newsletter by going to myhrfuture.com. That's all for now. Thanks for tuning in. And we'll be back next week with another episode of the Digital HR Leaders podcast. Until then, take care and stay well.